people just saying, hey, you're out having a lot of sex all the time with all these different people. You don't even know their names and you're just turning up and, and having sex in a hotel room or a party. And yes, there are definitely some people who enter the non-monogamous lifestyle like that. But it's few and far between that we've experienced people to be like that. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating... If you enjoy sucking at communication... And you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships... Broaden your sexual horizons... Develop a better understanding of yourself... Or learn more about non-monogamy... Then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multiamory Podcast. On this episode of the Multiamory Podcast, we're talking about misconceptions and assumptions. However, instead of looking at how monogamous people tend to perceive polyamory, we're going to look at the way that non-monogamous people can misperceive each other. And to help us with that, we're speaking with Kate, who is one of the hosts of the non-monogamous podcast, Swinging Down Under. Kate and her partner, Daryl, have been running the podcast for almost five years. So we're like almost the same age sharing their personal stories mixed in with interviews from other non-monogamous, sex-positive, or curious couples, educators, and more. They have a passion for sharing the good, the bad, and the embarrassing in order to help others on their non-monogamous journey. So, Kate, thanks so much for being here. G'day, guys. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. So, yeah, see, I just it's wanted- called Down Under because of that, <laughs> because she's from Australia. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I just want to make sure that our listeners just, I just want to, I don't know, uh, the listeners are not going to understand the the mountain of obstacles that we had to overcome to make this episode happen today. <laughs> so just know that there has been blood, sweat and tears already and so many audio issues and so many technical issues and so many internet issues. And we've had to jury rig so many weird things, but we're here and you can hear in fear basically, to do a little callback to Drunk Bible Study. But we're here. We made it here. We're recording today. If we have any audio issues or any weirdness, give us some grace because it's been a long, long day already for all of us just getting here. It's been a long, long day for you and it's only like 10 a.m. or something. I know. It's only like two hours into the day, technically. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so I'm actually in the studio with Kate in person, which is always such a treat whenever we have a guest to get to record in person. And we're both in Singapore right now. And so I actually want to start there with you, Kate, that you uh, started the podcast in Australia, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, Yeah, we started started in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. And then you moved to Singapore just a few years ago and continuing the podcast, continuing to stay active in the lifestyle. And I just want to hear a little bit more of your experience of what that was like and what challenges you faced moving from a country um, to another country that's significantly more conservative when it comes to any kind of non-normative sex. It, it was definitely a challenge and it still, it still is a challenge. It remains a challenge. I think one of the, the highlights for us is, there's just two, but the first one is restarting a tribe. You know, I think we, we form communities of like-minded people because it's where we feel safe. It's where we feel uh, invigorated. You know, we like to meet people that are on the similar vein to us. And so restarting a tribe anywhere in the world or anywhere if you even move cities 
is is daunting. It's it's tough. You know, you've got to kind of start again from from square one. And then, yeah, to your point, you kind of add in stir. We're baking a cake here, so we've got the the batter is the tribe, and then we're stirring in some chocolate chip cookies. And and those are the fact that Singapore and, and Asia as a whole can be quite conservative, and people mm. have some misunderstandings of what the lifestyle or just non monogamy in general is about. And so we're kind of coming across people that are just starting to explore this, but maybe really don't understand a lot about. It. And so it's double fold difficult for us, but it's, you know, it's always fun to kind of try to create a community. And so we're trying to stay positive, I guess, here in Asia, but it's tough. Yeah, well, I want to I want to talk about that a little bit more, too, because something that, you know, we get, um, you know, messages and emails and stuff from listeners often in very rural areas, you know, where it's like, you know, we're polyamorous or we're swingers or we're non-monogamous in some form, but we're just in the middle of nowhere. How do we find people to date? Like, how do we find our community? And often we have encouraged people that, you know, if it's safe for you, be the one to start that meetup group or that discussion group or something like that. And I wondered if you could speak to that at all, because it seems like that was kind of what you had to do when you came to Singapore. Yeah, that that is true. Actually, we tell people the same thing. You know, if you can't find something out there that you're, you're looking for, or maybe the the groups in your city, you know, aren't exactly going to fit your style, your tribe, then yeah, absolutely. If you can step out of your comfort zone and maybe create something, that that's a great piece of advice. And we've done that here, or we're still doing that here. So essentially, when we came, we realized that there were pockets of non-monogamous people, pockets of curious singles, curious couples, but really nobody's steering the ship, so to speak. So we have a big um, BDSM and kink community here. Hmm. Uh, we have a polyamorous community here and then you have kind of the the swingers and then you've got people coming in from out of out of country and so we've been creating uh, every three months these little mingle events. It's not a play, you know, party. It's just people to come along and be their authentic selves, no matter what that looks like, what shape it takes. In in a bar situation, you know, just really just normal, have a couple of drinks, dance, and be in a room where you are just being yourself, you know, and it's just a bit more safe and more comfortable for people. Is it also uh, nationals who are part of this community or is it generally just the expat community? No, we actually have a lot of uh, Singaporean uh, actually Great. starting. So, and people starting their journey at a younger age, and then people starting their journey at you know fifty, fifty five years old. So, uh, we also have yeah, we do have a lot of expats, and then we have mixed race couples as well. So, we we everybody's welcome to come to the mingle events, and we are seeing probably about a sixty percent uh, local population coming along to our to our events. Wow, that's great. Because we've talked before on this show about like the polyamorous community in Japan is mm -hmm. challenging, partly because of a language barrier too, but that there's sort of like a separate expat community and a separate Japanese community that, that only kind of overlap with each other. So that's really cool that you've been able to do that. We found that a little bit here as well. We would see some parties that were uh, you know, expat only. Um, or even sometimes now we do get questions. You know, I had a question come through email the other day. We actually have a Halloween party tomorrow and somebody said, will there be Caucasians there? And my response was, there's going to be everybody there. Right. Um, and I said, hey, I'm a Caucasian, I'm hosting, so I'm definitely going to be there. But, you know, it's just that kind of mentality of, of who's going to be there. And I don't necessarily think that's coming from a, a hateful place. I just think that, again, you know what you know and you're more comfortable with learning from people who perhaps have your own cultural upbringing and, you know, um, so but we do try to encourage that everybody just mingles and learns from each other rather than bring in some of those like age, race, et cetera, barriers in. Mm. So your show is called Swinging Down Under. Uh, 
something that I know we talk about on the show, just a lot of like misconceptions that people have surrounding the polyamorous community. And because we don't specifically speak about swinging all that much on our show, I'm really interested to know like, what are some of the more common swinger tropes that maybe someone who is more maybe maybe more traditional or vanilla, what they might think swinging is and what is incorrect maybe about those tropes? There's, there's definitely a bunch of them. You know, some of them that we receive is, gosh, you must be really unhappy in your marriage or relationship mm, to be classic. swinging. Yeah, love yeah. that one. Uh, another one is that, you know, or your husband is forcing you into it. You know, we get a lot of that. It's, of it's interesting how, we get that too. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, how the women for some reason don't have a voice. And, and the, the third one is that it's just about sex. And I guess this is where it can overlap a little bit with some of your communities as well. People just saying, hey, you're out having a lot of sex all the time with all these different people. You don't even know their names and you're just turning up and, and having sex in a hotel room or a party. And yes, there are definitely some people who enter the non-monogamous lifestyle like that, but it's few and far between that we've experienced people to be like that. What about the pineapples thing? That's the trope I always think about. <laughs> pineapples? <laughs> Are you not familiar with that, Emily? Uh, no. I, it's a trope, at least, okay, the way that I have heard it is, it's like that that was supposedly the secret signal of swingers that you would be in the you grocery store. You bring a pineapple? No, you'd put it in like the basket where you would normally put your baby or... Upside down. It has to upside be upside down. down. Oh, See, that's why really? no one ever came up to me when I tried it. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that I also, my understanding of the trope was, again, I don't even know what's fact and what's fiction, you know, was that that also extended to even just pineapple imagery could be a kind of on the DL signal to other people that you're a swinger. So how do you feel about pineapples, Kate? It's the funny sexiest that, fruit. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because, yeah, there is that old adage that, hey, upside down pineapple in a shopping cart means that, you know, you're a swinger. And and the lifestyle, the community has really embraced pineapples for some crazy reason. And also, you know how we go through in society, we go through these things where, for example, like unicorns are or were hugely popular over the past 12 months. For some reason, right now, if you walk into any homeware store, you're going to see pineapples on pillowcases, on everything. Um, you know, and the lifestyle community is like, hey, fantastic, more stuff for us for pineapples. I don't really care about pineapples. I mean, I don't see that as a swinger. Um, you know, there's the black ring on the, the right hand, which I'm currently wearing today as a sign that you are in a, a non-monogamous relationship. Oh. You know, I didn't know that that either. You didn't? Okay, so yeah, black, no. black ring on the right hand. Unfortunately, a lot of military members actually wear black rings because they're easier to cut off in combat if they have any accidents. So you really got to be careful that you're not just randomly walking up to people who happen to like wearing a black ring. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> or it's who interesting just love pineapples. That there are these, yeah. Or they just yeah. love pineapples. It's so fascinating that there are these like little like signals to try to like, you know, put out into the world that uh, you're interested or available or whatever in these ways. Um, I'm also interested in what common misconceptions from within the non-monogamous community that swingers get, because are there people like from the more polyamorous side of the spectrum that might say, that, I don't know, swingers are not enlightened enough or they have more rigid rules or things along those lines? Or are there other misconceptions? 
There, there is. I think just generally the, the non-monogamy community as a whole tends to look at other areas of non-monogamy and make judgments and make misconceptions. So, you know, it's not just swingers to polyamorous people or polyamorous backwards. I think we, we also look upon, you know, people in the BDSM or kink realms and they look back on us, you know, and, and we are kind of looking around saying, hey, you know, although these people are in the non-monogamous lifestyle, they're not approaching it the same way. And, you know, swingers and polyamorous people or even the spectrum of swinging, you know, some people like to have those one night stands and that's their jam. Or maybe they go away on a holiday once a year and they say, hey, I don't want to call myself a swinger because this is a hobby and I do it once or twice a year and that that's it. And, um, you know, hey, you over there that's having one night stands, like you're just depraved. And I think similarly, mm. you know, swingers think the same way about polyamorous people. Like you just don't understand where we can compartmentalize what we're doing, but we don't kind of get what you guys are doing and vice versa. Polyamorous people may looked at swingers and say, hey, we don't really understand what you're doing either. You know, you can love is love kind of thing. And so I think just generally there are a lot of uh, stones thrown in glass houses in the non-monogamous communities. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Interesting way of putting yeah. it. I feel like, because uh, I've, I've wondered about this and kind of been like, why do we do that? And part of me thinks that it might come from the fact that a lot of us, when we choose to do something that's not the normal thing, that we just like, especially at first, every day are getting challenged on it and having to defend it and having, you know, feeling like we have to explain why this thing we're doing is okay. And I feel like sometimes we can end up in this situation where it's like, I've worked so hard to defend this one particular thing that I'm doing, that then it's like, that has to be the only way that's good. And so I can kind of judge these other things to say that they're, that I'm not that, you know, it's like, I, I feel like sometimes it can come from from that just sort of bombardment of having to justify the fact that you are living this way at all. Yeah, well, I think after enough time, I know for myself, you know, having the polyamorous experience that after enough time of people misperceiving that it is me, you know, like going to sex parties or orgies or stuff like that, that you you get so used to being like, no, it's not orgies. It's not orgies. Orgies are terrible. I mean, I've never said that that phrase in my life, but you get the sentiment that that I think that it's like you misplace the burden of proof almost to a certain extent on this thing that it's not. And in doing so, then then it becomes, yeah, the throwing stones in glass houses for sure. So it's interesting to me that those who are already in like non-normative lifestyles, how they may still want to go back to normative places in ways or be perceived as normal in various ways. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, throw stones at other people who are maybe even more, you know, different than they are. And that is a fascinating thing that we like tend to do that just as as a society um, and rather unfortunate, I think, in many ways. Yeah. So for this episode, we kind of wanted to get into both sides of this, right? Some misconceptions and misunderstandings about polyamory from swingers and, and vice versa. And Kate, you kind of did that as well with your listeners, right? Like you kind of reached out and, and tried to find out some of those things. Yeah, I, I reached out to our um, sort of inner community that we have and I said, what are some of the misunderstandings or misconceptions or misrepresentations of polyamory that the swinging community has, you know, and and just said, hey, do, do you think that there is misunderstandings and what are those? And do you think that people, you know, feel, feel a little bit more, like you said earlier, enlightened or less enlightened or feel like maybe one's more depraved or one should be more accepted, you know, um, as well, like, like trying to, you know, evaluate what you're doing. And so, 
we did have a couple of people that responded with some, some interesting points. And I think at one point or another, even in our journey, we've either felt this way or we've spoken to people that have felt this way. You know, um, as you say, you enter this and that's your normal. And so once you're kind of stepping out of that, there's almost that protective barrier that you put around yourself because you have compartmentalized that, that alternate lifestyle. Yeah. So we were thinking for this episode that we can kind of start going into some of those. And uh, do, I mean, do you want to start us out or do you want us to start out? I'll give you one here. So this is actually um, from one of our one of our listeners who knows. And they're basically saying that for us, polyamory is too much work um, in addition to something we feel is not for us. So these people are basically saying that we vacation, um, swinging is the right space for us. There's no um, too much emotional aspect. It's too much work and effort. It's already challenging with just us two. And we don't see polyamory, multiamory as any more enlightened than swinging. It's just what's you know right for us and, and what's right for other people. So that's a bit of a balanced response in the fact that they're saying, hey, this takes time and effort. And our time and effort is spent maybe in the lifestyle um, on vacations or a couple of times a year, whereas, you know, gosh, polyamory must be so much more time and effort and, and takes, you know, just more emotional uh, time and, and those sorts of things. So I think that's another common understanding of the, the swinging lifestyle. We look at polyamorous people and we say, you know, you're spending so much time and energy, you know, how could you possibly juggle all of that? You know, um, we do this over here and we're doing it once a month or once a year or whatever it is. Um, you guys are doing it full time. You know, how, how is that possible? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a great one. I feel like, we, and we get the same thing from monogamous people too, because they just take their current relationship and multiply it by two or three and they go, gah, that's not possible. Yeah. 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 Well, so I, I kind of want to, I want to kind of counter that a little bit just in talking about, so, I mean, Kate, you said that like you and Daryl had actually kind of felt the same way at some point, right? In your perceptions of polyamory and did that shift over time? It definitely has with time. You know, I think once you start digging a little bit deeper into what this is, because when you're monogamous or you're just starting out in relationships, you have no idea the breadth of alternate or just relationships that are available to you. And as long as you start researching things, and unfortunately, oftentimes our misconceptions come from things like media, you know, popular mainstream media or TV shows or um, videos, etc. And so, you know, Daryl and I, as you said, Jason, when you, it's, you take what you have and you multiply it, you know, I think you have this idea that, wow, if I'm spending all this time and effort with Daryl, then gosh, if I brought somebody else in, that's by, by two. And if that's another couple, that's by four. And, you know, you just kind of start multiplying it out. And I, a lot of these things, we did have a misunderstanding. Now, however, we know that there is just like there's a spectrum of swinging, there is a spectrum of, of polyamory and the way people approach that. And so I think that it does take time and unfortunately some education to right some of those uh, wrongs, really. That's so funny because I, I'm realizing as I'm listening to you speak that I think I hold a very, I have for a long time held a very similar misperception about swingers, mostly because most of the swingers that I have personally known or worked with, like who are clients of mine, they are the kind of people who the side of the spectrum that they fall on is going to parties every single weekend. Wow. Like literally events every single weekend, like all the freaking time. And th these are also, you know, like the people that I know personally also like teach, you know, kink classes and stuff like that. So they're also going to events in a teaching capacity and stuff like that. And so I've literally had the same thought in my brain of like, how do you have the freaking time? I could not get myself to go to a party and be sexy every single weekend. Oh my gosh, how do they do it, these swingers? That's so funny. I, I literally just pieced that together right now. 
Yeah, and the fact that you said that some people view it as a hobby and that they only do it maybe once or twice a year is really surprising to me. I didn't even think about it in that capacity. I know for myself, I also I also always guess I thought that like swinging meant that you were a long-term couple or married and that you kind of that was the specific relationship that everything else was just having fun or maybe having like more comment relationships. Is that true or am I totally off base there? It's 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 an that's a really funny topic because in and of itself there are singles that classify themselves as swingers, but then some swingers okay. don't think that they should. So even within mm. our own community, we're not we're not happy about that sometimes. But um, it, it can be brand new couples too. You know what we're seeing now, uh, particularly uh, in Australia, is that younger generations are entering a relationship together and saying, "Hey, these are the these this is what I want to do. This is what I want to get out of my relationship." And you know, so it doesn't need to be a married couple. It doesn't need to be a long time uh, committed couple. It can just be a, a couple that have, that's just partnered up and then they want to go and explore this. Um, but mm-hmm. going back to the point about you know um, hobby swingers, you know or vacation swingers that's 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 actually a real thing some people just go maybe they take their once once a year trip to hedonism or desire you know a, a clothing optional lifestyle friendly resort and and that's their thing they swing there and they're on vacation and and that's it they don't do anything the rest of the year and then yes there are some people who go to parties every weekend and i agree that's exhausting <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine. Yeah, well, just so it, the, it, the amount yeah. of extroversion and energy that takes is impressive to <laughs> me. This is like recoiling into yeah. the closet. <laughs> yeah. Well, what this reminds me of, it's such an important reminder to, to remember this whole spectrum thing. And, um, you know, thinking about the hobby swingers, the vacation swingers, where it's just once a year, it reminds me of... Uh, the book that it was a, a very controversial book that came out a couple of years ago, but it was about this researcher talking about basically like straight men who have sex with men, but who do not identify as gay, like straight men who have had like male, male sexual experiences either in their youth or again, maybe like once a year in their adult life, but don't identify as gay and being like, like, how do we, like, how do people handle that? How do we label that? It kind of goes beyond our sense of the labels that we have. And that's what it's reminding me of right now of, unfortunately, unfortunately, it is such a spectrum that it is, I think it becomes just harder and harder to label and to corner people and pigeonhole people into a box there. Absolutely would agree with that. Yeah, it is, it is, it is interesting. And, and people do approach it in different ways. I mean, would you like to hear what Daryl and I classify ourselves as? This is a long one. Oh, yeah. Love, love to hear it. it. Okay. I'm very so, okay. So we are ethically non-monogamous sociosexual swingers. Do you like that? I do. Yeah. That's cool. That's good. Yeah. Can you, can you break <laughs> it down do it. for us? Can you break yeah. down the parts? <laughs> We have that on one of our dating profiles, and then my next sentence is, I know, right? What the fuck does that mean? Um, <laughs> look, ethical non-monogamy in the sense that we want to, you know, the relationships that we have with people, we want to leave them in a better space than when we met them, right? So we don't sleep with people that are perhaps cheating on their spouses. We don't sleep with people that the partners aren't in it for uh, this, the same level of interest or, you know, maybe there is somebody who's a little bit forcing the other person. Mm-hmm. And we want to have these relationships where they're, they're valuable. You know, we are actually bringing something to that that individual or that couple. And so that's the ethical part. And then the sociosexual part is where the way that we approach the lifestyle is we like to have 
pants on and pants off friendships. So, uh, and this is perhaps where we can debate a little bit about what is polyamory and what is swinging, I guess, a little bit yeah. as well. Because we actually have right now, we have a couple in Sydney, Australia, where we have known them for four years, very close to the start of our journey. And uh, we are pants on and pants off friends. We'll do an escape room together. We'll do wine tasting together. They were at our wedding. We also happen to sleep with them from time to time. And so, you know, those are people that, you know, have been in our lifestyle and our, our uh, relationship for, for a long time. And then we have people that we maybe see once a year or we might go to a, a lifestyle club, a swingers club, and then we may play with them as well. So sociosexual, meaning that uh, we find intellect, wit, and uh, physical attraction all kind of bundled up together. And, you know, we like to meet people, form a little bit of a relationship, and then perhaps have some pants off fun. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping code M-U-L-T-I. <laughs> yeah, that nice. that's actually a nice segue into one of the things that uh, came up for me when we were putting this episode together is that one of my original misconceptions about swinging is that it is that it was kind of the predominant way to do it was this like we can have sex with other people either together or separately or however we do that, but it's like we're not allowed to have any feelings or we can't be friends with them. They can't be anyone that we know, or it can never be with the same person twice, or that there's like these various rules to protect the relationship. And then I found, you know, um, from going to play parties and things like that and kind of meeting more of the community who, who do identify more as swingers and kind of asking them like, Hey, what's your, what's your deal? Uh, and kind of finding out that, that none of them did it that way. Like, I, I don't think I've actually met oh. any swingers who have that kind of very strict, divided, uh, you know, walled off kind of way of doing it. Just, is that, is that representative? Was it ever? What, what's the deal there? 
It is representative of, of some people. Absolutely. You know, when we talk about the spectrum, <clears throat> you know, we've met people that they they will not meet the same couple twice, to your point. So that is one of their rules. You know, we won't swing with anybody we know. We're not going to meet the same couple twice. Um, we're going to go to a club or we're going to go to a hotel party or something like that. And, and that's it. And we're going to have a little bit of sexy fun and then we're going to leave. And that's the way that they've approached the lifestyle. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just how they approach it. Um, you know, and then you have people like us who form longer term relationships. You have people, some people don't want to kiss. Again, I may catch the feels. Um, you know, and actually one of our respondents who we've known these guys for uh, since 2016, they, this is a good segue, they actually lead into that very thing. They say that early on, some people, including us, and they're ashamed to say, were afraid of polyamory or polyamorous people because it was ignorance on their part. They said that the more that they've learned since they've joined the lifestyle um, and by meeting amazing people who have modeled great poly relationships, they realize that it is a, a good relationship model for some people. Now, that particular couple, their story is funny because when they first joined the lifestyle, they said, we never want to make lifestyle friends. We don't want to. I don't want to know these people. I don't want to have any relationship. I don't want to know that they've got two kids and a dog and a white picket fence. That's their business. Um, and now these guys actually have long-term friendships that they've formed uh, over the years they've been in the lifestyle. And so, yeah, I think there is an element. Some people do join and they say, these are our rules. And the reason we've got those rules is to protect us, protect our primary, protect our relationship. And then some people just join for the opposite. They're, they know that you know, hey, this is the way that they want to approach it. And that doesn't mean one's more enlightened than the other. It just means that that's their particular approach, I guess. So you said the word rules quite a bit, which is totally understandable, I think, given swinging and that it does seem to, as you said, in some instances, protect the primary relationship. Do you think overall swingers tend to have more rules than other types of non-monogamous couples or I think people? I think yeah I'm I'm not sure more I I really don't know because I haven't I said I ha probably haven't seen the the breadth of, of relationships and really spoken to other people about what their rules and boundaries might be you know outside of just swinging but um, but definitely you know when each person starts exploring the lifestyle they do sit down and they say hey what are our rules and what are our boundaries and you know rules being protected sex always you know I'm fluid bonded to my primary only um, you know then there'll be the kissing rule then there'll be the oral you know like do we do oral do we do kissing you know what does it look like. Um, you know, so I I think definitely we do sit down and we go through those and each couple has their own, but I don't know whether we have more or the same as other people, I guess. I don't know. I mean, just from my small sample size of like the clients that I work with, I I feel like I've met some swinging couples who have very, very few rules and are mm -hmm. like really pretty chill and seems like there's a high level of trust and fluidity and I don't know, leniency is the words that's coming to mind. I don't know if that's the right word, but but have that within their relationship. And then I've worked with some couples or people who identify as polyamorous who have a lot of really intense yeah. rules. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I, I, yeah, definitely the whole spectrum thing. That reminds me, you know, Kate, we talked about this personally a couple of days ago, but I feel like you mentioned something about there having been at one point a little bit of this perception within the swinging community that polyamory is almost like this toxic waste. Like, like mm. don't even go there if you want to protect your marriage. Don't oh, even yeah. get on you. Oh, yeah. Polyamory is a surefire way to ruin your relationship. You know, that's <laughs> that's definitely, you know, and again, I think it's because people do compartmentalize and you can say, hey, we are joining this swinging lifestyle because we're going to go have some fun, what is it, every weekend to, to annually versus... And, 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 you know, I'm going to protect my relationship in the sense that 
you know, there's things I give my partner and my primary that that nobody else can give them. Now, some people think that includes uh, sex, and I guess that's that's but that's not what swingers do. And then other people think, well, it's because I'm sharing my hopes, my dreams, my desires, my wants, my bad days, my good days with this person. And hey, gosh, if I enter into a primary uh, polyamory relationship, that other person may also give those things or share those things with my partner. And therefore, what what am I? You know. And so mm-hmm. I think sometimes we struggle with that identity of what we are in a relationship. And that's why a lot of swingers will go, holy hell, like if you, if you are starting to look down that polyamorous realm or if um, somebody's you know, catching the fields and spending too much time with another swinger, then they could just swoop in and they'll be that new primary or these sorts of things. Yeah. It, it also makes me think about uh, like the research that's been done about swinging and about polyamory. And there's a lot more research about swinging just because it's kind of been a phenomenon for longer. Um, But one of the things I've noticed about it too, is that when you're studying swinging, because it does, I guess, even though you said there are some individual single people who identify as swingers, but that it does seem like the community is largely based around these couples who swing. Um, And that, that, sort of measuring the success of that kind of fits. It's like, oh, we take our same tools we use for studying, you know, monogamous people and we kind of apply it here. And there's a lot of positive research because of that showing, you know, that non-monogamy and swinging has this positive effect on people's relationship rather than this destructive one that, that people are afraid it will have. And it's, it's a little tricky with polyamory or relationship anarchy or some kind of a version of non-monogamy that isn't centered around just one couple, that mm-hmm. it's, it's like, how do you measure that? It's, a, you know, how do you measure the mm-hmm. success? Cause it's not just about how long did this one relationship last or how attracted are these two people to each other or something like that. Yeah, definitely. I want to talk about, um, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is something you've ever I have no idea if like anyone in the swinging community ever feels this way at all. Definitely something that I've come up against um, with people who are specifically new to polyamory, like people who know that they want to pursue having multiple, you know, multiple loving relationships or they are monogamous and they're wanting to open up their relationship to having multiple partners in that way that for some reason, I don't know how this got started, but some people perceive swinging is like the baby step on the way to it's the gateway drug yeah like (laughs) like to it's the baby step on the way to quote-unquote full-blown polyamory and that's (laughs) where a lot involved in that statement right (laughs) there there's a lot to unpack there there's so much to unpack there but like (laughs) but, but that's when i see people running up against you know this thing of like well before i can be okay with my partner going out on a date and having a sleepover with their new girlfriend separately from me i have to be okay with like watching my partner fuck someone else in front of me and and like that's just going to be the natural progression of how i'm going to build up my skill set even though it's kind of like two separate skill sets at least that's my perception do you see any of that from your side Oh yeah, um, you know some people look at it like it's a it's a it's Lego blocks. You know, you got that green grass on the bottom, and that's your starting baseline. And and maybe that then is it, that same room sex, right? That's your platform. And and then you've got some some light touching and some oral, and that's your first Lego brick. And then you kind of stack it up from there. We see a lot of swingers doing that. They say like, oh, um, you know, we're soft swap only, meaning that they they're oral and they're kissing and that sort of thing, no penetrative sex. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now we're full swap, and so we're penetrative sex, and so we've kind of made that next 
you know, migration. I'd added that next Lego block over. And, and we always say to people, it's not a race and it's not, you don't need to move from point A to point B. This is not a monopoly board. It, you know, it's just whatever your journey is. And I think, yes, some people do say, hey, if we start progressing through this and then, you know, maybe you've got a four-year-old friendship and you're pants on and pants off. And like, we've had people say, hey, your next step's polyamory. Like to, mm. to us and mm. as opposed to saying, you know, it's okay to be where you are. And also, you know, to that point, you don't need to have a stationary point and you certainly don't need to go forward or backwards. You know, I think a lot of people say, well, once I've started that, that's it. That's, that's who I am now. And that's how I, I need to identify as opposed to saying I can be wherever I want to be. As long as it's working mm. for, for me on an individual basis in my relationship, then we can move here. We can go there, try that out. That wasn't for us. Move back, change, change how we change and adapt, you know. Um, but we definitely do see that, that some people will say, you're eventually going to end up polyamorous. That's why I yeah. guess I, I do question sometimes, like, the use of labels in general. I think they are really important, and it's and it's nice to have so that you can say, your whole long, I don't remember, sapiosexual, <laughs> swinging person, non-monogamy. Um, but, but, yeah, at the same time... Uh, you may be all those things and then also somebody looks at your relationship and will just make this assumption like, oh, well, that means that you're going to become polyamorous eventually, which is interesting. And it's like, well, no, I, I do what I want. So <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it is it is interesting just that that we do want to label ourselves. We we feel like a, a pressure almost to like put a label on something. And yet it do, it, it doesn't always tell the whole story. And yeah. it doesn't have to. No, and I think some people do use labels to find tribes and like like for like and like minded people as well. And that that's the quickest way to do that, you know, is to say, hey, I'm going to go join a, a polyamorous community. Even though sometimes we also happen to like to swing, you know, and we go out and do things on the weekend or whatever. So I think labels, yes, they they're they're good. There's reasons for them, but I think yeah, inherently they're they're flawed because maybe that's not you all the time. You know, there's different versions of me every day. Exactly. Yeah, I, I want to take I want to get to some of the questions or some more of the things that you got from your listeners. But I first had a, a terminology question. So, okay. you know, we talked about soft swap and full swap. So I'm like, OK, this is a good time to to uh, ask another terminology question. There. Yeah. <laughs> so something that I also found is that specifically with people who are my age or younger, so like, you know, mid to late 30s and younger, that I found a lot of people not using the word swinger. To describe oh, I love themselves. this. Yep. And th then the question I have asked in return is like, so what would you call it then? And they're usually like, I don't know. We just kind of do this thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and while I respect that, like we were just having this conversation about labels, it has come up for me, you know, when people have interviewed me, for example, about non-monogamy more generally, and that kind of comes up and I'm like, you know, swinging is a thing too, even though there are also some people who do what I might call swinging, but they don't call it that. And I don't really know what they do call it. And I just wondered, are, are there some new hot terms that we should be aware of? A word. Oh, God. Can I nerd out just for like a teeny tiny yes. second? Yes. So you're absolutely, you hit the nail on the head. So um, I'm 34 and the, my generation and younger don't like the term swinging. You know, it, right. if you think of the word swinging, sometimes it brings up these negative connotations of like, you know, a dude with lots of chest hair, gold chain, you <laughs> totally. know, wearing this ridiculous shirt, totally yeah. keys in a, a ball. 
and says, oh, God. <laughs> and, and that's why the younger generation don't necessarily want to be perceived as a swinger because they look at that and they're like, that's not what we do. Like, we, we do, you know, we're pants on, pants off, uh, friends, whatever. And, and so actually, and where I'm going to nerd out is if you look at search engine optimization on the searching for swinging or mm. swinger, it's on its way down. It's trending down. What is trending mm. up is things like monogamish. You know, yeah, so yeah. monogamish. Yep. Um, you know, you've got uh, people that are searching for yeah, non-monogamy. You've got people that are searching for uh, polyamory, polyamory light. Um, you know, and, and oh, light. I know, yeah, I'm with like, fewer calories, I like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's wet polyamory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, you know, and then you've got people that are looking for things like uh, open relationships. You know, these sorts of yeah. terms that are coming a bit more through. Monogamish, though, seems to be one that's kind of trending with the young generation because, again, maybe they're exactly. hobbyist swingers. Maybe they don't want to be termed that, and so they're just doing something. And for them, you're right; they don't say I'm a swinger. They just go, "Hold, but I, I'm just having a little bit of fun. Like, why do I need to label it?" Right. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Do you want to give us another one of the questions from your? I do. This is this is actually one of my favorites. So this is from Kelly, and I, I love the way that Kelly is identifying how people look at each other, even from uh, monogamous people through to the, the non-monogamous realm. And so Kelly says that sometimes she feels that polyamorous fa- folks may feel more enlightened than swingers in the same way that swingers feel more enlightened than non-swingers. For example, I know the term vanilla is not exclusive to the lifestyle. It does have a certain patronizing connotation. Um, I think it's somewhat natural tendency to sometimes feel enlightened if you've chosen an experience that someone else has not. She goes on to talk about people that have traveled the world, tried you know different food, and how you might look at somebody who's never left their country and say, "Oh, poor you." Um, you know, and she says what what's important is to keep that feeling in check and realize that people aren't making their choices from the same experience. So don't judge based upon what you've chosen mm-hmm. to do. Now, what I loved about what Kelly's written here, um, so she's almost saying, you know, there's there's monogamous folks, um, and swingers look down on those monogamous folks, and then you know, polyamorous people have a better IQ and EQ, and they're looking down upon us all. But what I loved was her talking about vanilla, because even in the swinging lifestyle, there are some people out there using that term, and they'll say, oh, you're vanilla swingers and we're more enlightened even than you yeah so what that can mean the way people might look at it is in that it's a you know quote-unquote traditional term of swinging which is it's one uh, heterosexual couple having sex with another heterosexual couple and that's it and so some people that are more into the bdsm kink um you know lgbtqi communities within the swinging realm might then look down on those people that are just in those uh, heterosexual swapping situations and say oh yeah they're vanilla swingers because again they don't have the iq and eq and you know sexual uh, bravado that that i have because i'm out doing flogging and i'm pegging and all of this stuff. So um, I, I really found Kelly's uh, terminology there and, and her position to be really interesting because I, I do think that sometimes that does come up in non-monogamy, that, that feeling of, of better than. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, as I, I, I think as human beings, it's really surprising sometimes how much our brains are wired to just be constantly checking what's the, like, what's the... <laughs> Keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, well, and being that or like, like, what's the chain of command? What's the food chain? Like, where do mm. I fall in the lineup? Like, our minds are so like constantly, constantly, constantly trying to figure out who's below me, who's above me, who's just below me, who's just above me. Who am I significantly higher up than? Who is significantly lower than me? Who is significantly higher than me? And, like in every single arena in our work, in our sex lives, in our relationships, it's. 
I don't know. And I think that there's something about recognizing that that's what our brains do, you know, like that our brains, I think at some point, probably in our development and in our evolution, that was important for us to be able to know where we stood socially, but that's maybe yeah. not something that serves us anymore. But that I think that that's where that comes from is that we have this natural tendency toward just where do I fall in the lineup? And then I'm going to really rub that in your face at every opportunity that I can get. Jeez. Yeah. Well, and I also think um, in trying to, like I was saying earlier, trying to defend ourselves against people questioning our beliefs or our relationships, that it is easy to throw someone else under the bus. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this on our show before, and it's an unfortunate thing that happened as part of the gay marriage movement is that it's like, look, we're monogamous, just like you toss all the polyamorous swingers, everyone else under the bus to be like, yeah, so we can get married now too, right? Because it's just like you. And I've talked to a lot of people who have been part of, you know, part of the pride parade movement specifically that, and that they've talked to me about how in the past few decades, it went from very, very diverse types of relationships, uh, you know, transgender people, cross-dressing, swingers, everything in part of the parade to being very, it's just couples. It's, you know, it kind of got cleaned up in a way mm -hmm. to make it more palatable and to secure yeah. rights. And I think that interestingly, I think polyamorous people and swingers can do the same thing to each other. Because on the one hand, the polyamorous people can go, yeah, but like they're just about sex and ours is about love and relationships. And that's better, right? Because that's more like what you guys do. And then the swingers can go, those guys are weird. They're having like multiple relationships. It's like, this is still my husband or my wife. And it's, you know, like that's the most important thing. So we're mm -hmm. just like you. And it's, it's that same thing where we can kind of toss each other yeah. under the bus to, to normalize so ourselves. Yeah. And we're um, all tripping over each other to get the approval of of what yeah, the like, like heteronormative board of directors person. or something. Yeah, like. exactly. Like yeah. who who cares? Yeah. I, I was also in a polyamory discussion group a few years ago where the conversation got totally derailed over this whole debate about the term vanilla, and then also in the polyamory world the term muggle, which mm -hmm. um, mm. is also both used fairly derogatory in ways even vanilla i mean it can be you know used to say like well i i don't love bdsm or whatever x y and z thing i'm i'm more traditional but it's not i think that it can be thrown around in a kind of a derogatory fashion which is not ideal so we're starting to get toward the end of this episode and we were thinking that it could be fun to go through so we've kind of talked about these big philosophical issues to maybe go through just some of like the little under misunderstandings, uh, the little myths that swingers might have about polyamorous people and vice versa. Uh, so I feel you, like you guys are three to one here, though. So I mean, I've got a bunch. <laughs> I got a bunch for polyamorous people. But I, yeah. can I can I can I get one? Can I get somebody on my team? <laughs> oh, uh, uh. oh gosh. Uh, yeah, I will. Okay, as in your team of misperceiving polyamory from a swinger's yeah. perspective. Let's sure, do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I'll start here. So uh, that that polyamorous people have to live together. Mm. That swinging oh, yeah. people are all married. Oh yeah, Ooh. yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, that it's actually maybe a cult. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one's that one's tied very closely to the living together because I think they 
I, I, I mean, this is not just from swingers, obviously, but sometimes it can generate these images of everyone living together in the same house and oh, it's like yeah. compulsory group sex and all those things like that, you know? Right. Well, so ironically for you saying that polyamorous people are all living together, having group sex all the time, uh, mine for swingers would just be that they're having sex all the time, <laughs> that they're all sex yeah. addicts. All right. I got, I got a funny one for you. Um, polyamorous people don't uh, don't shave and don't need to get rid of their body hair and stuff like that because they're just in other long term relationships. They don't need to look sexy. Oh, that's what? OK. What? I was going to think what? it's because it was because it's a bunch of they're hippies. I thought I hippies, thought you were going yeah. with it's a bunch they're of hippies, but it's but it's because they don't have to try anymore. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm trying to think. Um, <laughs> um, uh, that- yeah, go or, for it. Em. Yeah, okay. That um, that people who are swingers just um, do their swinging in dungeons or at sex mm. parties. Mm. That you can I actually, I want to call a timeout for a second because this is yeah. an interesting <laughs> one. Because yeah. so, <laughs> Kate, you mentioned before about there being kind of sometimes a divide between the swinger community and the BDSM community, mm-hmm. and I feel like from my perception, it's kind of. <laughs> Being being kind of connected to people in all of those communities, my perception has been that like everyone who's in BDSM is what I would call a swinger, and that I'm I'm exaggerating, but it feels yeah. to me like there's a ton of overlap there, and maybe a little bit with polyamory, but kind of the just sort of open play partner type thing. I'm like, oh, but all all you guys are swingers, so I would assume it would yeah, just be like all, all y'all honestly, do that. <laughs> I totally thought that too. I 100% thought that too. I was like, whatever, lump them all together. They're all doing the same thing until I started getting some clients who were in the BDSM scene and yes, had multiple play partners, but it was never necessarily like genital play. Mm-hmm. It was like mm. scene work and okay. like bondage stuff and kink stuff, but but maybe not what we would quote unquote traditionally call like sex, like no penetrative sex or stuff like that, but it was play. Mm-hmm. And that was like what worked for their relationship. And that for me really broke through that. I was like, oh yeah, wow, there's this totally other different way to do it. It's not necessarily that's just doing the whole same thing the whole time. Yeah. The first time that I ever went to a dungeon that had specifically a no sex rule, and this is one of the first dungeons I ever went to, I, that was for me, that was that moment of like, oh, this isn't about that. This mm-hmm. is about something else. And that was yeah. that was cool. Okay, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to I wanted to mention that earlier and then I forgot. Okay. Uh the misperception of polyamorous people that I'll put out there is uh constant drama. Ooh. Gotta be constant drama. Solid one, good. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um that there's only like big resorts for swinging people and not for like any other types of non-monogamous relationships, which actually may be true. I don't know. I actually have no idea. Huh. But I feel like, yeah, you said hedonism and desire. Yeah, we know about desire for sure. But um, yeah, I don't know if there's any that are like... Other types of pol- non-monogamy? Yeah. yeah other types okay, of hang on. Before, sorry, I'm just going to hijack this question away from Kate oh. and, and throw it okay. back at you, Emily, first. <laughs> I just want... what What would that look like? Like no, a, I, like a I'm resort built in for... my head too. <laughs> <laughs> like I have no idea. That's a great question. Like, well, cause, you cause know, a bunch of polyprocessing like, okay, groups where people talk about their feelings, <laughs> and then like you may have like some activities like Dungeons and Dragons, and then <laughs> just a bunch you know, of nerdy stuff. a bunch of larping bunch out of... in the park grounds. No, exactly. Yeah. And like that's it. And then like. You know, you go home after that. There's like nothing else. It's like a big, yeah. Actually, sounds know. awesome. I would totally go to that. <laughs> I'm sure you would. 
It's actually funny because one of the misconceptions about polyamorous people too is that, you know, they're perhaps a little bit more undesirable physically as well, that perhaps oh. they're a little bit more nerdy, they're undesirable physically, maybe they're introverts and that's why they're not in the swinging realm. But I, because I know because we've got time and I want to I give you guys two that's probably going to make you laugh. Um, one is that if I be if I become polyamorous, then the other people are going to spend all my money and I have to share my bank accounts and <laughs> somebody's going to go oh. out and spend all, all my cash. Um, and the other one oh. is like, if you have children, is like, oh, God, and then what happens to the children and then how are they going to parent my children? And then I've got to have this dynamic mm. of telling them, you know, what are the rules in, of our household and, and, and things like that. So there's just some funny ones I thought you might like. Yeah. It's like the misconception that nobody has autonomy in polyamory, which is right. really interesting to me. That yeah, one does you become like one. Yeah. One yeah. of us. Yeah, one yeah that of is us. Like, it's like that one is very much, form. Yeah, yeah, it's tied to the whole cult thinking, like it's going to be the cult or like the Borg or like the collective or something that yeah. we just all kind of merge into this big collective of like six or seven people or whatever. Transformer. Then, Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Go. The money one, that's the first one. I've never heard that yeah. one before. I've never heard that one before of that assumption that if like multiple partners means of course we all share a bank account and then and then it just all falls apart because we can't mm-hmm. manage like six streams of income into one place at once, I guess. That's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. 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 I mean other ones that come up for polyamory is stuff like that I have to date everyone that my partner dates. Yeah. yeah, you know, like people yeah. people ask me all the time about like what Just my have to approve everyone. What my approval process is like for Dedeker's new partners and kind of you're like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I feel like with with swinging too. There's also the thing that um, there men are only allowed to be straight in swinging mm. is definitely a myth that comes up, and mm-hmm. I know that. I have heard that in the past there are swinger clubs that basically have that rule pretty much written out there. Um, right, have you found like men, women can be bisexual, but men, but can't, men can't have yeah. do any touching of yeah. men? Kate, have you found that Why? to be changing over time? Yeah, I think I think more clubs are doing their best to become a little bit more inclusive of how everybody approaches their lifestyle and their sexuality. You know, but to the point now where what we're seeing is more like, oh, hey, tonight on Friday, whatever is a LGBTQI friendly night, uh, as opposed to just going, that's every night. Do you know right. what I mean? And so, yeah, kind of baby step on the way. What's the issue right. there that people are worried about? That men are terrified of being gay. Um, there, I mean, there's a little bit gay. There's many, there's many reasons why people are, um, you know, concerned about that. But again, I think it just comes that, that maybe that was the way people approached the swinging lifestyle 10, 20 years ago and how things are adapting now. Again, with that younger generation coming through, sexuality is a lot more fluid. And I think that we're starting to see that. And so I, I just think it's just people realizing what they want and maybe that's okay. Um, you know, historically when it was that couple and couple turning up at a club, uh, you know, having sex and then going home and then now it's changing and adapting. So I think it's good that clubs are doing that. They are specifically saying, hey, it's okay. Like tonight's our bisexuality night. You know, there's the skirt club um, that kicked off in New yeah, York City, which club. is just for... Yeah, and so, it's it's like a, I mean, correct me, Kate, if I'm wrong, but from my perception of it is it's these like high end play parties that are for women only and not just like, not just gay women, but, you know, from the whole spectrum of sexuality, but just that they're women only. Yeah. That's really hot. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you'd say that, Emily. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I think, so it's, 
it is changing and adapting, but I think right now maybe those clubs do feel like they, they need to label that particular night to make people feel okay with it. But how that looks in a year, two years, five years, I mean, we don't know. We'll see. And by the way, Emily, at the Skirt Club, every uh, at the end of every weekend, they have to post up on Twitter and I think Instagram, like all of the left items back at the club, like all this high-end <laughs> lingerie that's just been lit, strewn around the place. So keep wow. that in your visions. Gracious. <laughs> Goodness. Wow. Um, so as we're coming up to the end here, we wanted to ask you, Kate, if there was one thing, to put you on the spot here, if there's one thing that you wanted other people who are in the sex positive or non-monogamous community to understand or to like take away from this episode, what would that be? To be a champion for everybody's own decisions and, and to be compassionate about what those decisions are. You know, no one is better than the next person. No one's more enlightened or less enlightened. And that goes for monogamous people too. You know, just because that's what you've chosen or they've chosen doesn't mean they're right, wrong. Or otherwise, it's just what they've chosen. And so learn from people, ask questions and, and get inspired by the fact that the, those people They've chosen that. And so that's fantastic. They, they know what they want out of life and, and what more could we really want. So be compassionate. That's that was great. great. I love Absolutely. be compassionate for sure. Yes. Well, can you let our listeners know where they can find more of you and your work? And also, I understand you have a very exciting event coming up next year. So please let us know more about that as well. They can find us on our website. So we're just at swingingdownunder.com. Yeah, obviously, we're on all the podcast catches as well, but the, the website's the best bet for finding us. I spend a lot of time on Twitter and Instagram too. So if you really want to get social, let's uh, let's hang out there. And yes, I mean, not to plug it, we are excited. We do have a big event coming in in Miami next May. Uh, it's called Podcaster Palooza, and you can find the details on our website uh, for that as well. So we're super excited. Again, that I think more content creators are coming together and that more people are out there, you know, just talking about these alternate lifestyles and relationships and hopefully educating some people on what's available and what's out there. Awesome. Excellent. So uh, stick around. We are going to do a bonus episode in our bonus episode for our patron subscribers. We're going to be talking a little bit about what really happens at play parties, the thing that everyone wants to know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So stick around uh, for the bonus episode. And to all of you listening out there, is there anything that we missed that you think is like, oh, this is such a good misunderstanding that polyamorous people and swingers have about each other. Such a bad misunderstanding, but yes. (laughs) Yeah. The best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can leave us an email at info at multiamory.com, a voicemail at 678-M-U-L-T-I-0-5, or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Emily Matlack, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenewerk and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. 
So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.